Amen. Okay. We're going to talk about a new model for short-term missions. And uh, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a, a dentist, graduated from the University of Kentucky in 1982. I practiced right down the street about a mile from here until about two years ago. And then um, God released me from that, and I actually had been studying missions for many years, been active in our church here, and about five months ago I was um, picked as the international outreach uh, director here at Southeast Christian. So, um, So I'm new on the job, and this conference is a big deal to us. So the Lord has really blessed us this year in that our attendance is 20% higher than it was last year. So uh, we feel that um, God has given us a big favor. uh, Our church also really looks forward to this week because the people that come to this conference are always very grateful. And the Cafe 920, everybody wants to volunteer because of the gratitude of the participants. So... um, so it's just a great week. But um, I, uh, I did a lot of mission trips and as a dentist and went and tre- treated a lot of, of people. And um, so I, uh, at first I was pretty fulfilled. But as time went on, I, I saw that this, is, this may not be the best way to do it. So what we're going to talk about today is a new model. And this doesn't just apply to dentistry. It applies to all of health care. And... Um, so when we look at this new bottle, we want to look at a way that, that makes a local church more relevant to its community because the local church is the organism that God works through. And so our role um, should be to empower the local church to meet the needs in their communities. So that's what this new model will, will do. The other thing is we want to empower local believers by passing skills on to them. Isn't that what Christ did for us? He passed skills that he had to us, to his disciples, that passed on to others. And so Christ is our model, and uh, it, it applies in all aspects of our life. And then we want to, ra- want to raise the status of mature believers in their communities. When we're able to pass on the skills that we have to uh, mature believers, they're perceived differently in their communities. They have a different identity. And so... Um, so it's a very powerful tool in the kingdom when they, uh, when they have these skills that they can really help. So what? Um, let me tell you kind of my story. Oh, that's Scarlett. That's my only granddaughter, so she's ready for a nap or something. So. <laughs> so we have her recorded forever. That's great. Um, no, that's good, yeah. Feel free, Jack, anytime you... <laughs> yeah, that's the one exception. So um, so I did, I did many trips. As a member of this church, we went to Jamaica, Guatemala. I went with a lot of different organizations. And um, about eight years ago, I'm in Jamaica. And uh, it's the last day of the mission trip. And uh, we have to catch a bus in about an hour... To, to go to Montego Bay so we can fly home. A dear friend of mine, his name is Paul Reese, he spent the whole week in charge of the crowds. 
So about an hour before we're supposed to leave, he comes to me and he says, Charlie, there's still 85 people in line. What am I supposed to tell them? I thought, well, I don't know really, but I've got four patients here we're working on, and I don't know that we're even to get through, through with these four patients. So uh, I don't know what you tell them, Paul. So I went back to work, and he taps me on the shoulder again 15 minutes later, and he says, no, really, what am I supposed to tell them? But this time, the tears are flowing down his face. I look at him, and I said, what on earth? And uh, he goes, no, I need an answer. I need to know what I'm supposed to tell these people. Well, you see, he'd spent a week with them, so they were now his friends. He knew their stories. He knew uh, their desperation. He knew uh, how long some, many have come to, to, uh, to get in line to wait, and now he was supposed to tell them, hey, sorry for your luck. And, uh, well, see, I had never seen that before. Because I was fat, dumb, and happy and just helping people take out teeth and, you know, getting them out of pain. And uh, I thought, wow. And I remember telling him, I said, God must have another plan. Well, that was it for me because I said, this is not right. Surely this is not the way God had intended for us to, to do this. So it wasn't long after that and the whole scheme of things, I met this man named Steve Saint. Do you guys know, have you got... Met him? Do you know his story? You know his story. And he said to me, he said, Charlie, why don't you go and, and instead of doing dentistry, why don't you teach them? I said, Steve, it took me four years to do this. How can I teach them in a short-term mission trip? But he kept persisting, and he said, you know, actually I've developed this dental chair, really, to do short-term mission trips. He goes, yeah, and you can put it on your back. And I said, okay, well, this whole thing kept gnawing at me and gnawing at me. So I started thinking, now, wait a second. You remember this, Steve. When it was time to, to learn how to give each other local anesthetic, what did they do? We had a year of embryology and neurology, pharmacology and all that. But when it was time to learn how to give a shot, they, put us, they paired us up and they said, go do these shots. In an afternoon, they taught us. When I learned how to extract a tooth, a student a year ahead of me actually told me how to do it. He showed me how to move, you know, but so I said, well, maybe I can just do it that way. And so my dad was a, a millwright. And I remember as a young boy, he first was an apprentice, then he became a journeyman, then he became a, what's the next level? Master something, yeah. So he would, as an apprentice, he would just learn under people that had more experience and they would just work together. So... I met a friend of mine, he said, he's a missionary in northern Ghana, and I said, uh, maybe we could try it there. So um, we went. Now, let's look at some stats. This is the number of dentists per capita per country. In the United States, we're at 59. We're doing pretty good. But look how poor the the number of dentists and the availability of dental care is. And th these countries are not about to build dental schools. Liberia, we just did a trip to, I wasn't there, but empowered it, less than 0.08 dentists per 100,000. Yeti, you were a dentist in Liberia at one time. Yes. So this is the desperate... Five, five, five dentists for uh, 3.5 million. Five, five dentists for 3.5 million people? Right. 
Yeah. So uh, the stats kind of speak for themselves. And uh, so if we were going to continue to do short-term mission trips the way we would always do, do it, we we're just weren't even going to tap into it. And so uh, plus there's something that happens when you pass skills on to somebody else because now they are skill- trained to treat other a patient now they have these skills to help somebody with tooth pain, and now they have the relationship with the patient. So there's a barrier that is lowered when we treat a patient, right? We notice that as healthcare providers, there's a special relationship that takes place because they have to trust us. So if we give this same gift to somebody else, then they experience the same thing. And then when that barrier is lowered, also the barrier to the gospel is lowered, and it's a great door opener for the gospel. So here's what we did. Here's what I propose. So you do a pilot. You pilot, okay, for this case it was dentistry, but let's pilot anything medical, maybe how to manage blood pressure, or we're working on a module to manage wound care, or diabetes, and we teach Mature believers, how to do it. Then we evaluate it. Then we do a study that confirms or denies that this is successful. And then we're ready to launch it in a much bigger, at a much bigger scale. So here's how it worked. January 2004, we went to Tamale, Ghana, and we trained four mature believers on how to do dentistry. It was six days, two days in the classroom, four days in clinical training. Now, in those four days of uh, extracting teeth, they took out more teeth than I took out in four years of dental school. That's how intense it is. There's one government part-time dentist in northern Ghana for three million people. So you can understand the need was overwhelming. So there was not an issue uh, finding patients to work on. So... So we went there, I evaluated, they did pretty good. So they were going to continue to work two days a week. So I went back a year later. They had gotten better. A year later, they'd gotten even better. And I thought, wow, we might have something. And uh, now the way they do it there is they bring the patients in on Mondays and Wednesdays. There's 60 to 80 patients waiting to be seen Monday morning. The first thing they do, they line them up in this room and they give them the gospel to tell them the truth about Jesus. They say, you know, we're here to help you with your tooth problem, but you may have a heart issue. And so we're here to help you with that too. So um, so they ex- gave the gospel, they extracted the teeth, and then they uh, the patient was dismissed. If they received Christ, they were um, directed towards a church in their community. So the follow-up studies on 05-06, 2009, we did um, a research study by the University of Kentucky. There's a copy of that study if you see Gwen Cherry back there, if you want to see the study. But here's what it said. We took two American dentists, four Ghanaian um, dentists, lay dentists, and uh, we both treated uh, about 150 patients. Now, That's statistically significant number of patients. And here's what we found. 
the two American dentists, we had 56 years combined experience. The Ghanaian dentist had eight years combined experience, and it's only four of them. They took twice as long to extract a tooth than we did just because of the not as much experience. And uh, so the patient satisfaction, if you look at the study, was almost identical. The patient's... Uh, felt that their care was just as good from us, American dentists, as it was from the Ghanaian lay dentist. Um, the surgical outcomes were evaluated at three days and seven days after uh, post-op. And the, the significant thing was, again, it took more time, but also they had a higher dry socket rate. And, you know, a dry socket slows the healing process, but ultimately it's self-limiting. So, um, and it's because of how much time it took. So... Uh, so that kind of confirmed that, hey, this is a safe thing to do. We can do this and be safe, and, uh, and, and it was a well-structured study. It was blinded, so the evaluator did not know which patient he was seeing, whether it was one of our patients that we treat as Americans or one of the Ghanaian dentists that were treated. So uh, this is a model that we can use on a short-term basis to pass our skills to others. You with me? And uh, so it's time we started taking this approach because we take thousands of mission trips a year, medical mission trips, and we go and we treat and we prescribe medicines, and then we're done. But if you go and train, then the ministry continues. And you don't have that problem with lines like I had in Jamaica. So here's the challenges. Uh, the challenges are, by going and doing, are we being obedient to what God called us to do? Are we following Christ's model? The answer is no, we're not. Um, the ethical concerns are, how can you train somebody in six days what it takes four years to do in the U.S.? Well, it's a different model. It's a different way of teaching. It's, uh, it's very interactive and is very much like the old model we had here of an apprentice. The other issue is, say you're a physician and a patient has high blood pressure. If you're on a short-term trip, really, you can give them meds for 30 days, but then what do they do? They're back in the same situation, right? So you have an ethical dilemma in that, in that does it make sense to, to give those meds for 30 days if it's only going to help them? Well, Probably not. So we have to, you know, when you take a look at it, it just doesn't make sense to do that. The other issue is that I hear is the biggest objection is government regulations. So how, the government, will they allow you to do that? And um, so that's where it's important to have a strong partnership. Uh, there's a couple of partners here today, and they'll share here in a few minutes, that have um, their, their teams have been trained in dentistry in, in India and Nigeria their share with you. But it's the responsibility of the partner that you're working with in whatever country to determine what the regulations are and the laws are. It's not our responsibility because we can't, we can't understand that. And so, um, so as long as they understand the laws and they can work within them, it's okay to do that. The other is we don't do, use a training model that we trained under. Remember that one where we read a lot of books and we had a lot of background. Like, I could not tell you the first thing about embryology right now. It's just sad. I think there's a term called ectoderm or something, but it's sad. 
I could not tell you the first thing. So uh, our model is different. And uh, if we are really serious about compassion, and there's people suffering and dying all over the world from diseases that uh, we could pass skills along to others in the name of Christ, um, it, it, it just seems like the appropriate thing to do. So, um, so we are blessed to be a blessing, right? God blesses us with a lot of resources, but he gives us skills. And he wants us to bless others with those skills. Let me read John uh, 15. It says that uh, this is Christ speaking. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. If we want to bear fruit that will last, and if we're commanded to do that, then that means we, we pass our skills on in a safe way, in an appropriate way. And, um, and you guys know these other verses too. And over and over, Jesus sent out his, his disciples to heal um, the sick. And um, so if you've ever had a toothache, you know the level of severity that it takes. My wife's grandmother had 11 babies and many toothaches. And she said, I'd rather have a, a baby any day than have a toothache. So that's the level of suffering we're talking about. So what I'd like to do is bring Caleb up from – I'm sorry? Okay. So Caleb um, has was the second team we trained – five or six years ago, and uh, if he could just share with you a little bit about the impact it's had on his team, I think this may help. When first Charlie communicated that he would like to come and train our pastors in the industry, I believed him. But then when I went and told my team, they were a little uh, skeptical. And then I checked with my doctor friends who actually come with me and assist in some of the medical outreaches that we did. They said, uh, how many months is he going to teach? I said, uh, maybe one week. He looked at me from top to bottom and said, Caleb, are you talking to me or are you daydreaming? Yes, but this because it's... No daydreaming. Well, um, that did cast some doubts right within me. But then I still trusted Charlie. <clears throat> Lo and behold, he did come, train them. In um, less than a week, they were not only taught, but they were ready to do the extractions. And um, I'm sure Charlie can talk volumes about their uh, skills, um, they have really, really developed into very, very, very efficient uh, dentists. At one point, uh, the police department <laughs> sent me a commendation letter because they have done um, in um, a clinic right within the jungle where um, a lot of terrorists actually lived. 
and the police actually used our team. They sponsored, they purchased medicines and they sponsored everything for us to go and set up a dental team. They sent a certificate to me saying that, thank you very much for sending Dr. Sunil, Dr. Ratnakar, Dr. so-and-so. Then I <laughs> saw that, I, t I was terribly, terribly upset. I said, you guys, you're not doctors, you're pastors. And then <laughs> you're only using this gift to... <clears throat> you have received to relieve people of their pain and thus um, demonstrate God's love to them. I strongly believe church is the embassy of God to, to reflect all of God's intention to all that is broken outside, out there in the community. We somehow think church is just for spiritual things and uh, religious things. No, churches should be concerned all that, physical, social, everything. So that's the belief I have. That's, that's, I strongly believe that. And this dentistry has come as a very strong, solid tool for us to reflect our concern for the healing in the communities. The places where we actually minister, um, the, the medical care is almost non-existing. Even if there is... A doctor here, a doctor there, they are just so-called registered medical practitioners. Um, I would say quacks just making money um, out of the innocence of the people. And uh, talking about dentistry, there is absolutely uh, non-existing. And such areas, you now our pastors, uh, these pastors, again, to give you a, some, a little bit of visual description, they have uh, probably not even passed uh, the high school, many of them. And now they go there and set, uh, take these chairs. Um, in most instances, the local government gives us the permission to uh, organize this care, um, these camps, in the village offices or uh, maybe town offices. So that, thus we actually get government patronage also. Um, this has been a very valuable tool for us uh, to, to focus the church. Church is in the limelight. Uh, we have seen um, even many people drawn to Jesus Christ. I have physically seen some of the so-called Hindu priests come sit on these dental chairs, and they not only have received the uh, gospel, few have responded also. And uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, talking about, uh, Charlie was mentioning about um, the, the ethical issues and uh, the government regulations as such. Back home in India, these are very, very stringent. But I tell you what, there is a way we can actually overcome. If we actually do it in the name of God and for the sheer love of him in response to people's felt need. Um, in one instance, uh, I know whenever do, in some instances, the local uh, uh, newspapers do take a note and they report it. The district uh, collector has noticed the harvest ministry is doing a lot of this dental case. So he has summoned uh, our pastors and the district officers to check on us. It was a very serious thing. If um, And so... The district uh, medical officers came and um, 
observed one of our dental outreaches. And as a matter of fact, I had the, uh, we had the opportunity to present the New Testament to that uh, officer who came. And uh, that's a different story how the Lord has uh, really impacted her. Um, she came, she saw, and she gave a very good report back to the, the government. And uh, what has happened as a result of that is now the district collector has given written instruction to the government depart, medical department to give us the medicines and also tag on the other medical units to go with us. And, um, and that's how we have actually revived the district medical um, department there, Keep, kept them to do because some things. They weren't, they weren't doing much. And then when you guys started doing this, they, started they said, doing. wait a second, yeah. there's a need. We need to start addressing this need. So yeah. they started. Yeah. Okay, let's stop there one second. Let's ask, see if there's any questions anybody has so far about what we're talking about. Yes. Are you going to go into maybe giving us an idea of what the, that curriculum looks like that you present and how that's organized? Or? Well, if you go to the Empower booth right there, They'll give you an outline. It involves uh, two things. One, a nonverbal training video and a written book that does not have mesial, distal, buccolingual. You know, it has front and back, tongue side, outside. No medical terms, really. It's, make, it's pretty simple. So, yeah, you can get more information that way. So, good question. Yes? Do you mean behind courses and materials? Yes. Uh, what we do is we, we, uh, we have a module, a dental module. That includes one chair and all the surgical instruments they would need to do extractions because where we're working is primarily in areas where uh, there's no access to dental care. So the overwhelming need is extraction of teeth. So we have another module to restore teeth, but um, when we first go into area, the need is extraction and prevention. We teach prevention, too. What's causing the disease that you have? So, yes? Yes. Well, what we do is we focus on extraction and relief of pain, and then we also have a module for dental hygiene. And the lady sitting right back there to your left, she's the one that trains. Just raise your hand there, Linda. Yeah. So she can talk to you about how we talk about that. Here's what happens. As we go back year after year, the students that we train say, thank you, but shouldn't we be helping people save their teeth? So now they're asking for these services. So the challenge you have is dental health is not even on the radar screen. So it's not a high concern. So until that goes up, it's tough to talk about more it's tough to talk about prevention, but we still focus on that. Now, Caleb's um, pastors, they'll go into elementary schools, and they have their own way that they teach. What does Sunil take, sand and something else? And so he talks about germs, and so they have the, they have the capability of doing that too. So, yes.
Did you train others how to do sealants? Yeah, take it to that level, then you really got something. So it's not only one week a year, it's 52 weeks a year. And then that's a great opportunity to talk about prevention too. But absolutely, yeah. The idea is pass our skills along. Because if we can teach somebody to do a sealant, if Jesus can teach disciples how to have demons come out of people, we can teach people how to do sealants. That's a really good point. We have to be very careful and discerning about the people that are there providing the care. That's what's happening to us now, right, in Louisville? This is what happens. RAM is an organization. They bring in 60 dental chairs, and they treat people for free for three days, and then they leave. Well, that leaves all of us in our community, the dental folks, to deal with their post-op problems. It's crazy. So you're right. We don't want to do that to practitioner. So, yes? What happens if a student encounters something they don't know how to handle? How is that? Great question. Great question. What we do is uh, we teach them cases to stay away from. And primarily that's lower third molars. We say don't extract lower third molars, mostly because of the density of the bone around there. Um, and so we, we, part of the training is you don't start something you can't finish. You understand what I'm saying? No. They have no x-rays. They understand the root anatomy. And what we focus on in the training is elevation. Remember in the study, it took them twice as long to extract a tooth. We focus on elevating the tooth first. Who's never heard of a luxator? Everybody's? Jack, okay, you don't count. You know what a luxator is? Who's, Who's Dennis? Raise your hand. You've heard of luxators, right? What's the number? <laughs> What's the number, Linda? Is that seventy-seven <laughs> Is it what? I know. Is that seventy-seven Oh uh, no, no. Yeah, it looks like it looks just like an elevator, but the steel is tempered, and but it's real thin, so you use it in a vertical way around the tooth instead of a horizontal for an elevator. So I don't know what the number is, but. We teach them how to use these two, and those are very powerful and really effective at, at working. So, yes, <clears throat> we have done over 5,000 extractions, not a single bad case. And uh, one anthropologist came to study our um, these um, dental outreaches, <clears throat> and uh, one uh, dentist actually came to help us. Whenever we have an outreach, when we're doing, he comes along just to see, help us. And he testifies saying that in their um, college, they see so many bad cases every single day. He said out of all the extraction that these pastors have done, not a single bad case. There's a, it's a God thing. Now, let me also affirm to you that uh, it's not about just going and doing. The church is in the limelight. Church is in the focus, and we have seen a definite increase in the numbers in our churches that we have planted with. So 
Hudson uh, Taylor. We haven't seen. <laughs> Hudson Taylor says. Over 5,000. Hudson Taylor says, I love this quote, he goes, when you do God's work God's way, it attracts his resources. So uh, part of the training is, we might not be through with you yet, Caleb, but that's okay for now. Rest. Um, the, the training is um, very intentional to, be, um, to not be in a hurry and to elevate the tooth really well before you extract it. I've been on trips with my American colleagues that don't elevate, <laughs> and they're digging roots out all the time. So uh, we really strap, uh, uh, really emphasize that in our training. Other questions? Yes, ma'am. What challenges have you had and overcome in governmental problems? Okay, Daniel, you want to come up here and share? Okay, Daniel is in uh, Jos, Nigeria. <laughs> And he'll speak about that because I was there to observe a clinic and the government shows up. So what, what have you done to overcome the government obstacles? Uh, well, I think um, uh, in, in all honesty, I, I, I saw God's hand when uh, Dr. Vatito came to our team for training. Uh, I offered myself first to be injected because I don't want my staff to be scared, you know. Uh, but when we wanted to reach out to a community, the government officials came in anger that we did not get permit. And um, they are right. But there is conflict. They want it for political reason. And uh, the community wanted for their health, community health. Our people were in pain. Now, the conflicts are there. There is nobody who is in pain and you want to help him that he will oppose you. Um, but that also taught us a lesson. We went... And uh, we got a person who is a certified nurse. And uh, through him, we followed all the laid-down procedure locally and registered with the government that we can practice. And we overcame that. And uh, with the permit from the government, we can go anywhere, uh, I will say in West Africa, how to be able to practice because we have that. And, you know, um, we have also a testimonial of intensive oral hygiene uh, that Dr. Vetito and his team came and certify our people to do it. And where we have complicated matters, the nurse goes there and help our staff. And, uh, but we handle that issue with doing the primary work. It's easy to get a certificate locally. If you can get the community person there, get either a volunteer if you do not have him on your staff. And right now, the chief dental surgeon of the state where we live 
has identified with our team and we can be able to do surgery actually with his uh, we'll talk some more on that and I think uh, if we happen to take that in the headquarters that clinic that we will dedicate uh, then uh, it will be another source of generating funds uh, for the ministry because you charge higher for the people in the city and uh, for Christians too that they do not need the gospel. They want good work and good health. And I think we can offer. I think we are better off than government-trained uh, 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 dentists, uh, in all honesty. And the equipment we have is much, much far better than what you can get in the local clinics. Uh, in Nigeria, northern Nigeria, the witch doctors are the ones that remove teeth with local medicines and that. I mean, 1,000 times worse than us, you know. So if, if it is not, uh, uh, when you talk about ethical matters and uh, permit and the rest, we are really far better off morally, ethically, uh, all other. If you get opposition, it might be politically motivated, but actually it's not genuinely that you are not competent or what. Yeah, good. So, um, so in, in Nigeria, uh, on Daniel's team as a nurse, and that, and that satisfies the government who takes responsibility for all the guys that we trained. So if there's a problem, the government comes to the nurse, Yusef, and they address it with him. In northern Ghana, when we did this, the ministry decided we don't want to tell the government. We're going to stay below the radar. We're going to provide this service for people. And then when the government comes, we'll let the people speak for us. So that's what happened. The government came a year after they started. They came from Accra all the way to Tamale, which is 10 hours, and they went to the community, and they asked them, and they the community spoke very highly. So then the government officials went to the clinic and they said, we want to know the names of the people that are working here, who they are, and we want to say, we've checked you out, you're doing a good job, keep going, keep doing it. Because it's the government's role and they're not fulfilling that need. So, um, And then in Caleb's case, it's the local officials that gave him. So if the national government came in, then their cover is the local government. They say, why are you hassling us? Because you're not helping us, and these people are, and they're doing a good job. Just ask our people, so it works out fine. So. We also had them uh, do the St. John's first aid training to yeah. three different levels, so that also comes as a dollar for us. So they've had additional training in first aid that helps that helps with the government. So the yeah, 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 that's good. Okay, what other questions do you have? Okay, so how do you? What do you do now? So you go on a trip, <laughs> and if you go to the Empower booth, we have trips coming up. We have some trips through Southeast, but we don't have any on the books right now. Um, and we're talking about trips to India, Nigeria, Togo, a lot of places. And uh, if you see Linda about that, then uh, stand up, Linda. I said stand up. 
If you see her or Lori next to her, Lori, would you please stand up? Then they'll, they'll be, be able to help you. And so what we like to do is uh, we have many dentists trained that have gone and done uh, this, this work. And so if you will go along with them to, to get some of the details explained to you, then you're ready to go and teach on your own. And, um, and that's a great way to get started. So it's a, it's a good opportunity. Uh, what other questions do you have? Okay, Dr. Carell, I'm going to bring you up here. It's fun to hear from all these different voices. I don't think I need that. Either. No, you don't need it. Dr. Carell's a physician from uh, Jamaica. Yes. And so her and her friend Marion are called to be missionaries to Liberia. So um, what was your prayer a couple of years ago when you were in Liberia? Um, they have time to hear all my testimony. <laughs> no, they don't have time to hear all your testimony. But they have. They want to hear some from you. Okay. Um, if you get the opportunity to hear full testimony, you'll be blessed. Trust me. But yeah, well, we just um, stick to the prayers for a dentist yes. in Liberia. You know, um, Marion and I was called by God to go to Liberia. Um, on medical missions, and we went for the first time in year 2006. And um, I had a translator, St- um, Stephen, who sometimes had to run off because he had this terrible toothache. And you know, it was sort of hampering the movement of the patients in the clinic and so forth. So I said, Come on, uh, you can understand the Jamaican English, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They said, come on, um, come, let us pray together and ask God to send dentists because we actually practice in the jungle, the bushes um, of Liberia, not in the city. And we said, come, we've got to pray and ask God to send dentists. So from year 2006, 2007, 2008, we have been praying and he has been, you know, really suffering with that toothache and so forth. And then, of course, um, we met Charlie in Jamaica. Um, when he came once and, you know, I asked Charlie, you know, I tell Charlie, we have been praying um, for dentists, you know, to come in the bushes of Liberia with, alongside the medical team. And he said, well, um, Doc, um, you know, when you and Marion relocate to Liberia, then I'd consider coming um, down there and so forth. But um, we went back to Liberia and we continued to pray and we pray and we pray and uh, Year, when was it, Marion? Last year? 2009. Uh, Marion and I had to leave the rest of the team a little early, about a week early. And we called the, all the staff together. All the staff came together to have a time of prayer. And I said, we as the staff now, we, that is the local people along with the um, team that came um, from overseas, we are going to pray. Today, and we are going to ask God in the name of Jesus for dentists to come into this place to help the people. And right out on the veranda there of the clinic, we'll lift up this petition before God. And a couple months later, when I, when I was in Jamaica, Charlie came again. And I said, Charlie, we need dentists in the bushes. Charlie said, well, uh, yeah, when you guys relocate, um, but... I said, Charlie, we need them now. 
Charlie said, well, I won't be able to come um, next year with you, but I'm going to send some dentists. I mean, I figured that it was just a more talk, you know? More talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> but when we went there this year, there came alongside us three dentists plus um, Laurie and uh, um, about three other persons who came to work along them. And we saw a miracle take place in that clinic in the jungles when they taught about 13 um, um, local persons, including pastors and some of the guys who work in the clinic. And, oh, man, it was a It is something that we prayed for. I mean, when we saw them being trained, I mean, this is our heart, you know, to see that the locals are empowered, literally. Amen. Yes, man. Yeah. And I'm telling you, those guys, even after the dentist left and they continue, they organize themselves in a, um, a, a association, you know, community health, dental technician, and they, uh, they voted and they got the president and everything, you know, Charlie, just in case you don't know, right? <laughs> And I'm telling a man, uh, um, the, the young man who um, was my, um, that I prayed with most of the time, he's now the president of the association. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Corral. Very good. Hey, so don't miss an opportunity to meet her. Thank you very much. So she was part of a team, uh, a medical team. The dental team left, but they left 13 people trained to do dentistry, and they continue to work. So... Um, the other issue we talk, you know, talk about is sustainability. How do we sustain it? You know, they have to get supplies. Uh, they have to pay for the supplies. And so that's why it's important that you charge a small fee. Um, the cost to extract a tooth for anesthetic and gauze and gloves, it's about a dollar. So they charge a fee of $2, $2.50. Now, in Nigeria, they charge considerably more. And, and in Nigeria, they charge $10, which is still below the going rate. But now the field workers out in the remote areas are not dependent on the ministry to fund their way of life. You understand? They're tent, they're tent makers is what it turns out to be. So we can go on and on and on. Let me close with this one story. The, the issue of raise the status of mature believers, Caleb has a pastor named Sunil. He's driving his motorcycle in this community that uh, is hostile to Christians. He hits a little boy. Um, the little boy is injured. The father comes out of the house and starts accusing Sunil of, of uh, hurting his little boy. And, and so next thing you know, a crowd forms. So it's street justice, right? That's the way it works. So they start knocking him around and pushing him around, and they take him to the chief of police. Say, this guy ran over this little boy. The chief of police comes out and he says, Doctor. The crowd says, what? He said, this is doctor. he's a dentist. He helped my mother. Was it a mo her, his mother? He helped the chief of the police mother with a toothache. So now all of a sudden the whole crowd, their whole attitude changes. And in the end, the little boy was fine. The father apologizes to Sunil for the way he acted. So when we raise a status in these communities of these of believers then that helps their ministry. So this is just an example of what can happen. Um, in, in Nigeria and Daniel's area, 
um, he has a team of Christian evangelists. Well, it's tough to be a Christian evangelist in a Muslim community, but their identity is as lay dentist, and they treat people in the community, so their community accept them much better. So we, to, when we take the gospel to these areas, we've got the low-hanging fruit already. The next areas are tough, closed areas. This is a model that works very well in heavily Muslim and Hindu areas. So I would just encourage you to pray about participating. Go by the Empower booth and uh, find out more about it. If you have specific clinical questions about how we teach, I'm more than happy to answer those questions. So let's pray. Father, we give thanks for um, what you've done and and, uh, just the international crowd that was here and how we get to hear um, when we do things your way, um, what you unleash and uh, the power you you pour down and uh, the impact it has. And so, Father, we pray that as your follower, uh, followers of your son Jesus, that we would do things your way, that we would pass our skills on, that we'd be a blessing to others because we've been blessed. So we pray for this conference. We pray that people connect to one another, they're encouraged, they're lifted up, and that they're empowered to go take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.